BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, I'm Sienna, and I never listen to Jesse D because I'm too busy being a princess. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Alright everybody, welcome to the show, episode 512 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and today I am joined by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page. Look at you with your new headphones. Back to normal. Yeah, yeah, new headphones. Doesn't it feel good? It is. I tried them on, they squeeze your head. Oh, and it's they're really squeezing my giant pumpkin head. Well, it's interesting how they... I don't, I haven't really used headphones like that because when they're off, they almost kind of come together, the yeah. little ear pieces, yeah, yeah. and then they stretch out to fit the head. These are supposedly mm-hmm. like the studio standard for mm-hmm. audio, audio function shit. Nice. They, they are, take them off here, they are MDR 7506, Sony's, mm-hmm. they're, they're apparently supposed to be like the in like the industry standard like that's what you wear all right you don't wear beats you don't wear because these are like like a flat anyway they don't add anything they just give you the audio just as it is coming out of the pipe so so it's going to help with editing and making your uh, life easier i can tell you this holy shit after having those sennheiser headphones that i would that i still have that i'm you know me i'm a pack rat i don't want to throw them away mm-hmm. um Going from that yesterday mm-hmm. doing the show, and then now, I feel like a regular fucking broadcaster right now. I mean, nice. I can't hear anything that's going on. Like it'll be a bummer if Popeye starts being crazy. Yeah. I mean, if I can hear it in the headphones, that means the mics are picking it up. Because right. before they were all loosey goosey on my head, and I could hear all kinds of shit that was going on for sure. 
other than what's happening in the mics. Yeah, I mean... Which kind of defeats the purpose of having monitor headphones. Yeah, well, all of this is super interesting, and I could talk about it for hours, but I would uh, really like to get into your pack rat mentality, actually. Oh, okay. Because... Um, I was going to say, I didn't go on forever. We're two minutes and 50 seconds in here. Well, in one of the Ask Me Anything Patreon-only episodes, we'll give a little preview here, someone asked, what is something that we disagree about? Oh, yeah. And this is actually something that we don't agree on, and it can cause conflict. You tend to hold on to things for a long time. For sure. That's Even right. when I, you don't need them. That's right. And I do not. I like to get rid of things. If I don't use it, I don't right. need it. Yeah. I don't like trash around. Um, trash. Come on. Like, I love trash around. Well, I don't know. Trash is your favorite thing. I love thing. to just luxuriate in <laughs> piles of trash. Yeah. So, for instance, as soon as I buy something that is to replace another item, as soon as I bring it home, I am taking the tag off and then throwing away the thing that it is supposed to replace. Yeah immediate yeah. it is an immediate turnaround it's like a compulsion it's almost like a compulsion sure yeah. let's make it pathological thank you <laughs> and you you are the complete opposite if you buy something to replace something else you keep that other thing yeah even if you have like five of them well especially because these like when you said are you gonna throw those away and it's like oh well no i'm gonna keep them uh -huh. and you're like well why are you gonna keep them with a with a shit eaten grin uh -huh. right out of your fucking face too? <laughs> well i just can't wait to hear the excuse and, well it's because they have <laughs> i'm telling you what i said i'm telling I the audience what I I said. you don't need to fucking ridicule me again i know i'm living through the shame here let's hear it Oh, <laughs> fuck you, man. Let's hear the reason. So anyway, there's a there's a like a cell phone um, microphone on the cord mm -hmm. where you can also use it as a as a as a as a headphones for your phone. Yeah. To talk, which is unnecessary because I've got headphones and I I don't talk on the phone enough. Like I talked to Brett today for maybe an hour on the phone and that's the first time that that's happened in mm -hmm. <laughs> a goddamn seriously maybe a year mm -hmm. maybe since my birthday last year um anyway i just don't talk on the phone enough mm -hmm. that's not to say we don't talk on the phone but just not for long extended periods of time mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah and uh i don't need them you're right i don't need them I'll succumb to the shame and throw him the fuck away. Well, and that's the other thing. So because we disagree on this issue. Well, I, maybe somebody in the audience wants the goddamn things. Yeah, I mean. They're perfectly I, fine. Although they are They're not out. perfectly fine. They Every time you wear them, the <laughs> black coating that is on the ear covers, it's yeah, residue like the, on the, your head. The thin layer of faux leather right. is just disintegrating. And you have to scratch it off your skin because it just is all around your ears. It's not. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a volcano just erupted and the ash just, just rained down on me. Right. But I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes you got to have long phone conversations, you know? <laughs> wow. Anyway, so what I'm saying is... What was that about not shaming me? I'm I'm just... Sometimes you do, and... Sometimes I do what? You need to have a phone conversation with the headphones. God damn! God damn. <laughs> but I... Well, you called what I do a compulsion, so you also have a negative well, view he, of how I... No, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that me having shit around, there's no way to... Like, there's... 
it's shit. I'm saying this is something that's shitty for you, even though your way is for sure the better way. Is the some of the reason I keep stuff around is because well, I may need that, whether it be a cable or a cord or a a headphone adapter, some weird fucking thing. And then you're like, well, you're never going to need that. I'm like, I might need it. And then lo and behold, like a year later, I'm like, remember you wanted me to throw this away? We've been, this is the exact thing I need right now. That's something that happens so rarely. I'm giving you props here. Don't Mm -hmm. getting ready for the other shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. But that's not something that when you're throwing shit away is ever going to benefit. You can't say to me, see, I threw that away and everything was awesome. There's no like moment that proves you right. Mm -hmm. Even though it is for sure. But listen, and I'm not a hoarder by any, any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't even call myself a pack rat, but I can commiserate with those like those ding dongs on the hoarder show. I I can like, I kind of get a glimpse into you know what I mean? Like, I've never had anxiety or anything like that, so I can't really identify. But I can kind of identify with what's going on in their head because it is there's a separation thing that happens with, like, an uncomfortable, like, if I throw that away, ugh, you know what I mean? Um, No, because, again, I have the opposite where I want to throw things away. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about from the the scientist in you, the psychologist in you. No, yeah, I understand people developing attachments to objects and feeling that they are very important and that they have significance, um, even if it is a very small significance uh, to other people. Something that has emotional value, like a a pair of old tickets to a a concert or something, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing... That really resonates with me. Not so, like I'm going to lose the memory, because I'm always going to have the memory, but it is nice to have it there and remind me of the memory from the time or whatever. Right. So why do you think, and let's, this is a question for both of us, why do you think we have developed that sense that we have of either holding on to things or yeah, wanting yeah. to get rid of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've actually given this some thought before, because it is... Uh, I have a, a relative that was a legit hoarder, like a legit deal. And I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, what is this in me? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because as a child, we moved the fuck around a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I went to 12 or 14 different schools between kindergarten and my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that kind of, you know, holding on to things because you never know when you're going to be on the move again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's really the only thing I can pinpoint. Yeah. But I'm sure there's something else that would make sense. Yeah. Well, I I don't know the answer for you. (laughs) What do you think it is for you of just like getting rid of the... the you you want you don't want to be weighed down by shit, so you can take off. What is the is it the opposite? Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe that might be it. I mean, I I have memories of being very young and, um, like packing an emergency kit in like the bathroom in my house, just in case I was going to be in there for a long time and yeah. had to like exist in there <laughs> like hiding out from a threat or something yeah yeah and um so maybe it's part of being on the move and being able to pick up and just leave when you need to but yeah i i'm i'm trying to guess i don't know right i started it off by saying i don't know so um i guess if i had to put something on it that's what i would say but I also think I just 
haven't had a lot of stuff maybe too. Mm. And, and so that's part of it. Um, like I don't buy a lot of things and I have a lot of buyer's remorse when I do buy things. Um, like there's, I bought two shirts in the past <laughs> month and they're actually still on the hanger yeah, with the tag with on, the tags on because I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can, <laughs> this is a really big commitment. Yeah. <laughs> don't know if I want to keep this. So I have issues with that too. <laughs> you know what? We all have our stuff. Look, let me okay? say, let me say in my head, I'm thinking, God damn, we got our, we got our issues, but I think we're normal people. I think everybody's got their little, their little thing, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sure. Sure they do. Yeah. Well, speaking of their thing, everybody having their thing, um, the other day, actually, it's not speaking of that at all. It's just a lazy attempt at a segue. The other day, uh, we, Brittany and I were out getting ready to go to a movie, and we had a sandwich at a place. And behind Brittany, these two young Christian girls were discussing how they were going to confront one of their friends who is gay, but they were going to do it in love. It's going to be love, but they had to let him know that it is sin. His life is sin and he's going to burn in hell. Uh, anyway, we, we had a discussion about it and someone wrote in uh, that we are going to read their email anonymously, kind of in response. It's kind of adjacent to what we were talking about because uh, it's dealing with when you're secular or an atheist or a non-believer or an agnostic, however you want to label it, when you're a religious nun how you deal with the religious. You think that's an apt way to describe the... Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, hello, beautiful friends. I wanted to write in to discuss Brittany's frustration with the religious folk. How do we talk with them? How do we change hearts, minds, and or find ways to inject a healthy dose of reason into their brains? Short answer, I believe, is that we can't. Or maybe just shouldn't. When I was freed from the bonds of a faith brain, I was pissed and fervent in my desire to argue with, shout down, belittle, and shame as many as I could. This occurred in spades on Facebook some 10 years ago. What have I learned? One, I learned that no matter how logical or reasonable an argument is, it won't matter. The very premise of faith is unreasonable, and the faith brain will always back into a defensive stance and lean heavily on that which cannot be argued with, their faith. The only way it can work is if the person of faith you are talking to is in a place to hear. Most are not, and probably never will be. Two, fighting against a lifetime of indoctrination is impossible enough on its own. But then you have to consider that if you were successful in the deprogramming, you would be destroying a person's entire world and community. I contend that even if you managed to get through, most would stay in their world as opposed to blowing up their entire life. Three, my self-righteous bullshit has removed many people from my life that were never anything but good to me. I barked, offended, and tried to shame people I loved. People that were, for all intents and purposes, my surrogate families. People that, without them in my life, my life would not be as good as it is now. Was it worth it? I look back now and say no. Their beliefs are nasty and prejudiced by their very nature, and that does piss me off. But will my pointing that out to them change them? So what do we do? I wish I had a better answer than this, but I believe we just live our best lives. We love. We can disagree, sure, but I think that before we disagree or argue, we think purposefully about our words. Are the things I'm about to say, or am I saying uplifting or cutting down? Will it make a difference? 
maybe talking passively is the answer. Instead of your beliefs are bigoted, we say, I just can't live a life that is bigoted against other people. I don't know. Someone very important to me recently came back into my life. He is a Christian. He wanted to talk about why I am not. I tried to warn him off. He assured me that he would never try to convert me. I told him that isn't a true statement because it is the fundamental tenet of his faith that he strived to convert. He believes that God infuses his words with God magic if he just has the faith. I didn't. You know, Brittany, that the word of God shall not go forth void. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think there's a word missing here. I think that the emailer means to write, I didn't say that last part because it would be insulting, albeit funny. Anyway, we have been communicating and we talk about faith from time to time. Now, let me say this. I am very practiced at dismantling faith with reason and logic. I have written very great arguments that more than prove God is made up. Does any of that matter, though? No, because they won't fucking listen or hear it. How might I deprogram him then? Assuming that even is something I care about doing. I just live in love. His faith would believe people can't really be good without Christ. So live in the way that disproves that. Walk and talk in love. Live with compassion and empathy. Basically, just do what you have been doing. What you are doing on the show is making a difference. Take heart, Brittany, because you are changing lives. You are helping people and you are making a difference just by being the beautiful person you are. So goddamn sorry this is so long. Bleh. (laughs) There is some awesome stuff in there. Yeah. There's also some stuff that I fundamentally disagree with. Well, I find it I find it interesting because I it was directed toward me mostly. No, it was directed toward me entirely. Yeah, I think so. And did I come across as like frustrated that I can't deprogram or deconvert people? No, but I think it kind of it kind of goes hand in hand because if you're I I mean it, it it's very tangential, mm-hmm. but it's. I think there is an element there that you are trying to get them out of their belief system, whether right. it's through shame or whatever. You're trying to get them to not believe what they believe. Yeah. Well, and I like I like how the email ended. Right, that we can kiss in your ass. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice too, but that we can prove people wrong. Just by existing in the way that we do. Well, that that I think is great. If they really believe that you cannot be moral, you cannot be decent because you are lacking faith, you are lacking God, right. and then you show them that you are absolutely a good and decent and an admirable person. That's it's got to shake their shit a little bit. I mean, how, then how do they explain it? Yeah, primarily what my struggle is. So. For example, if I had overheard two Christian girls talking about how atheists are evil and they're going to burn in hell, um, I don't think I would have said anything. I really, in fact, I know I wouldn't have said anything because I don't, I I wouldn't care about that. (laughs) Um, I don't feel like I'm I'm in some marginalized or threatened, even physically threatened group being an atheist. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, I know that people believe atheists are immoral and that they think very poorly of them. And sometimes I am uncomfortable saying I'm an atheist. In fact, I probably wouldn't do that at work. I probably wouldn't say that. Um, That's another way that we're different. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't say anything. Now, what was different about this is that they were being hateful and prejudiced against a group of people. And openly planning in public how they were going to harm someone. Right. And or potentially harm someone. Well, I mean, if you're telling someone that they are bad and they're going to burn in hell for the way that they inherently are, 
um, that does harm people. Yeah. And we're seeing that in these strict religious communities that have very high suicide rates right now. Um, Mormon. And it is, I mean, these people, you could say, have blood on their hands because they are advancing belief systems that are hateful and causing people to feel like something is very wrong with them. And then they feel very shamed and all of this stuff. So that's what my struggle is, right? This isn't about my ego. It isn't about having a debate, trying to make sure that someone isn't a believer anymore. Uh, um, that's why we had Mark Trailer on, my former pastor, yeah. who hosts Christianity Without the Crap podcast. In an ideal world, yes, I would want religious people to abandon their beliefs entirely. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So here's what I want. I want what I heard Mark Trailer say on his most recent podcast. He said, listen, conservative religious people that are listening to this show are going to say to me, you're picking and choosing what you want to believe from the Bible because he, you know, focuses on the Jesus stuff, the That's Jesus right. love, the liberal right. stuff. Yeah. And he would say, this, this is what he said. I would say, I am picking and choosing the stuff that I want to believe. You're right. <laughs> Fucking love that guy. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's hard to argue with that when a religious person admits to a cafeteria style way of treating their religion. Right. But I would rather have someone be guided by the principles of love and empathy and forgiveness and inclusion and equality. Yeah. From their faith. Uh, then be hateful, right? So this isn't about wanting religious people to stop being religious. It used to be. I identify with the emailer 100%. There it is, Kathy. 100%. um, I identify with that because I felt that way when I first stopped believing too. But it isn't about that for me anymore. I just don't want the hatred and the harm that happens to marginalized communities as a result of these beliefs. Yeah, and real if, people, real kids who are who are their brains are just figuring out where the fuck they are in the world and they're being told you are dirty, you are wrong, your existence is an aberration and you are an abomination. The very fucking nature of who you are is a, an abomination to God. And so I hear I hear the email are out that it may be a waste of my time. But there's just a part of me that can't let it pass because I feel an obligation to use my privilege, to use my voice, to do something, even if it's meaningless. You know what I mean? Well, you know what you're not doing, though? You're not giving Mark Trailer a ration of shit because he's a Christian. Right. Because Mark Trailer is not is not marginalizing and harming and ostracizing and shaming LGBTQ people. Right. He he's not. He wouldn't be the target of a deprogramming, quote unquote, or a deconverting type of effort because right. and I'm that's where I am too. And look, I I like the emailer um was filled with vitriol and kind of bitterness about about 10 years ago and i'm not that way anymore however where i disagree with the emailer i think we've said he i think we can we can identify their gender um, i think we should keep saying the emailer because it's so <laughs> mysterious ooh <laughs> is this is i'm i'm a lot quicker to disconnect from someone 
And I, I don't know about those people in, 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 in his life that he, they were family to him and he's disconnected and, you know, maybe put a wedge up that caused those people to leave or whatever the, the case may be. If those people are good people in their hearts and they love everybody and they're not fucking throwing around this righteous judgment bullshit, they don't believe that when two men lie together that they're an abomination and they should be brought to the gates of the city and have fucking rocks thrown at their heads until they're dead. If they don't believe that and they're good to go and they're not bigots or racists, then fucking it is a bummer that you were forced to disconnect. But if those things that I just said, if they apply to those people, why do you want them in your life in the first place? That's what I would say. Because if you're a bigot, if you're a racist, I will fucking cut you loose. I don't care if we're blood. I don't want any of that around me. I don't want it around my people. I don't want it around my in-group. I don't want it around me. So, I, so I'm... I'm I disagree about staying connected to the to the wrong people, to bad people. Well, and I think that we disagree on this too. <laughs> I guess this is the Jesse D and Brittany P disagreement show. The the AMA take three. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but here's where I would um, probably disagree with the mysterious emailer is um, I wouldn't stop having these conversations with those people. Right. I wouldn't remove even my surreptitious influence on these people. Now I wouldn't engage in um, conversations that would be relationship enders. Right. I mean, it depends. It really depends on what we're talking about here. But um, for the most part, if I can continue to influence somebody in, in, in even a small way, I think that that's important. So, um, and I know we talk a lot about social networking in this way and I have had people that I used to argue with about many different issues, political issues, religious issues, whatever it might be. And even when I was hateful, you know, um, arguing in a way that would embarrass me today, they have reached out to me and they have different political beliefs or they are no longer they used to, right. They, or they are no longer in their religious group that they used to belong to. And they will thank me right for my posts or the conversations that we had so you never know where people might go you know what i'm saying and if we retreat and say well we're just gonna agree to disagree yeah i don't think that cuts it you know and maybe this is me being a secret optimist <laughs> right that's unusual that for would me. be a shock yeah <laughs> um but i do believe that these small changes can happen and that it's possible and that people can become more reasonable, um, even in old age, right? Never yeah. too late to learn and Look, grow and change. I, I, I hear you. I, I, I know it's rare. No, it, it, well, I don't even know that it's super rare. It's just, is that on me? I, I've only got, maybe this is selfish. Maybe this is super selfish of me that I've only got a certain, a finite number of years, a finite number of hours in my life. And do I want to spend that toiling away trying to stay connected to someone who believes that gays are going to burn in hell for eternity? I just I yeah, don't, but this is what I I'm saying. The energy of the time you don't, that. but you don't need to dedicate energy or time to it. If you are connected to someone like that on social media and you are posting what you're posting and your videos are going into their feed, 
Who knows how many yeah. they're watching? Who knows how many they're listening to? Who knows what argument is going to get through when? You know what I'm saying? Well, you know I don't. I'm I'm real long on the the blah the the block or the unfriend. I usually just mute or whatever, unfollow. Right. So, so there, I don't disconnect a lot. Right. So there is still that element of influence. But I mean, like in your life. I mean, like actually, like I'm not going to dinner. You voted for Trump, and you're still a Trump guy. I'm not gonna fucking break bread with you. Nope. And I don't have any. I don't feel bad about that. I, I just, maybe I'm fucked up for that. But I don't. I I don't want to spend time around people who who are gleefully watching the fucking house burn down. I I just and listen. I I feel like I should feel bad about that, but I don't. And when I think about Christians, evangelical types like the type I grew up with, they are that person. They are that group. Yeah, I just I don't yeah I don't agree with that yeah. position. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't. But but the thing is, I'm not saying, and I think this is what the emailer is saying, that they will continue to be connected to these people and not engage in conversations that would risk disrupting the relationship. That's not something I would do. I would take the risk of having conversations in a respectful way, not trying to change anybody, but I'm not going to hide or back away from yeah. these topics. Right. Um, and I don't think we should be because I think we have a responsibility to continue to engage. I think that is our responsibility there. It really is kind of showing my laziness about it because uh, that takes some work. And I don't know that I've uh, I've got that in me. Yeah, well, I've been taking a break from it for a while, <laughs> focusing on other things. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, listen. Uh, thank you. Yes. For the email, I think we covered everything. I think so too. But but ultimately, I think I, I think the, the takeaway from that, other than the ass kissing of Brittany Page, uh, would be, you know, this little light of mine. I'm gonna fucking let it shine. Mm-hmm. You know, to to take a page out of the playbook of the Christians. Is I, I'm going to live my life as an example mm-hmm. of how to be, of morality, of upstandedness. Mm-hmm. If that's even a fucking word. We'll have it be a word. But we would love to hear what people think about the email or our conversation surrounding the email. Yeah, how this yeah. applies to your own life. Uh, what, whatever your thoughts are. 657-464-7609. Should be in your phone. Stop <laughs> slacking. Um, or you can send a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Remember that if you do call that voicemail line, 657-464-7609, that it will cut you off at three minutes. So try to keep it under there. And that's not something we said. That's a, that's a Google thing. I have no control over that. Blame Google. Also, I... If if I could set it, I'd set it at two fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have two new Patreon supporters. Yes. Betty. Betty. And Martin. Martin. So fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you for your new and beautiful contributions to the show. 
We very much appreciate it. We would encourage you, if you have not, to please review the show on iTunes. Please do avo- Apple Podcasts. Please Apple Podcasts. Please <laughs> do avoid. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen for them. You should stop trying to yeah, do well, it on Apple, their behalf. Calling it Apple Podcasts is like Google Plus. That's you know they just shuddered by the way. No one knows what Google Plus is. Everyone well, knows what thing. iTunes it's is. It's not a thing anymore. No, no, no. I'm saying they tried to make it the new d- anyway. You're oh, right. I understand what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. They couldn't get Google Plus to catch on. Yeah. yeah. And they can't get Apple Podcasts right, to catch on. Right. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. still calling it the Pac 10. Yeah. I no was, one gets, I mean, there are some people who get that reference. I was so eager to be right that I wasn't hearing your argument. And I was just feverish in yeah. <laughs> trying to get my point across. <laughs> um, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, stop using profanity. I mean, don't use profanity. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Fuck you, Brittany Page. In- <laughs> <laughs> uh, do not use profanity. Is he, is he- fucking listening okay. to himself we're right not now? talking about the show we're talking about in reviews do not use profanity in oh, reviews because yeah. they will not post and we want them to post because it's helpful for us also you can shop on amazon dollamore.com slash amazon people often write us and say hey is there a way that i can give you guys credit using your link through the amazon app and we have not been able to find out a way that that is possible. If you out there are an Amazon guru or if you are Jeff Bezos himself, please let us know if there is a way to do that. If we you're, really appreciate it. If you're it. Jeff Bezos yourself and you're not a Patreon supporter, again, fuck you, man. Well, he, um, <laughs> it would be so funny if he was our Patreon supporter that um, is named like Liz Lemon or, you know, one of those. I think they changed their name to Astronaut Mike Dexter. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A.K.A. Jeff Bezos. That's right. So, we love you guys and we appreciate every single one of you. Every single dime you've donated to the show in an effort to to help us Move move the conversation forward. I also want to say thank you to everyone who even donates their time to listening to the show. Yeah. Because we do know that there are people who can't give up even $2 a yeah, month. Yeah, And sure. that, there's no shame been, in that. Been there. 100% have been yeah. there. <laughs> Won't tell you how recent. Um, but it, it, you know, it. we get it. And so there is no pressure. There is no shame in that. And we appreciate you writing on the Facebook wall, sending us a tweet about what you liked about the show. We read everything. We can't always get back to everyone. We can't even always play or read every every message, but right. every single one absolutely has eyes on it absolutely um and we do not ears (laughs) yes and we don't take it for granted we appreciate all of it so thank you for supporting the show in whichever way that you choose to do that yeah thank you guys so much so let's let's move on here before we get to dollamocracy i want to talk about gun violence again this never-ending cycle of talking about rampant gun massacres and attempted massacres in our schools and how our our politicians are, they're certainly failing America. And I'm an even lump Democrats in there. Because I think it's high time that until something gets done with gun violence, and the slaughter of innocent children in schools, 
that nothing gets done. At some point, there ha- this is there. At some point, it's a make or break. It is a fucking now or never. A, a all in. I'm mixing up my metaphors here, not knowing exactly what to say. But at some point, it's got to be we're fixing this right fucking now, and nothing else gets done until we do. If there's a silver lining here at all, we're going to talk about the the Colorado shooting. But if there's a if there's a silver lining here at all. It's the fact that Republicans are fucking themselves. They are ignoring parents who are losing their children, who are pleading for their government to do something. They're ignoring the deaths of dozens and overall hundreds of children who have been gunned down in their place of learning. And Republicans think they're playing this long game, but they're going to lose in the medium term. We are going to begin tonight with the horror now revealed inside that school shooting in Colorado. The two suspects, both students, both in court today, and what we have now learned. There was a massive and quick response to the call of an active shooter. Nine students shot, one of them killed as he rushed the gunman. Children from kindergarten to 12th grade inside that school, their distraught parents waiting for word that they were safe. Tonight, the two young heroes, including that student, Kendrick Castillo, who lost his life, what he once told his parents, and the other hero, a young Marine recruit. We hear from him right here tonight. ABC's chief national correspondent, Matt Guppin, leads us off from the scene. Tonight, that first glimpse of the young man accused of bringing murder to this Denver area STEM school. 18-year-old Devin Erickson, that stripe of fuchsia in his hair, nails painted black, saying a single word in his first appearance. Nodding vigorously when the judge addressed him, but never looking up. He and a 16-year-old accomplice facing nearly 30 charges, including murder. Just after lunchtime Tuesday, Erickson allegedly calling out nobody move in his class before opening fire. Nine students shot in that English class, one of them killed. His name was Kendrick Castillo. His family telling reporters that Kendrick once said if there was ever a school shooter, he wouldn't think twice about acting. And tonight, details about his heroic last moments. Complete disregard for his own safety. He was immediately there to respond. He was immediately on the shooter, and he was ready to end the threat. Brandon Miali, a Marine recruit, was one of the boys who lunged towards the shooter. There was fear. Um, I still look back at it, and I still feel a bit of fear when I think back to it. But after that point, it is just doing what I thought I should do. These high school seniors, including Castillo, were just three days away from graduation. But there are other heroes as well. As we go through this, I think we're going to find that there were a lot of students that did a, a, a number of great horror things. Police there within minutes. They had to force their way into the school, which they were able to do, and they just happened to pick a door that they forced into that one of the suspects was right, you know, down the hall from that door. Soon after the all-clear sounded, the kindergarten through high school students bused to reunification centers where anxious parents waited and waited for those hugs. But tonight, questions about what allegedly drove that 18-year-old boy and that 16-year-old to murder. We're trying to get a suspect info. We do have one person shot in the lower back. School's in lockdown. The male shooter had been active in school theater, even had his own YouTube channel featuring cover songs. It didn't seem like he was the type to do it at all. But when police searched his house, they found his car spray-painted with expletive society. 
His accomplice, a 16-year-old, also a student at the school. The suspect's the first pair of student shooters to target a school since the Columbine massacre 20 years ago. Tonight, that high school changing its sign in solidarity. Our hearts are with you, STEM. So let's get live to Matt Gutman in Colorado tonight outside that school, which will remain closed for the rest of the week, we were told, Matt. And we also know the second suspect was also in court today. That's right, David. And with a strikingly different demeanor, this suspect, the 16-year-old, had short cropped hair, was engaged and very attentive with the judge. And right beside him was sitting his mother because he is a juvenile. Now, he was born a female, but his defense team petitioned the court that he be recognized as a male. That was granted. The DA is now considering whether or not to charge him as an adult. David. Matt Gutman in Colorado tonight. Matt, thank you. Well, first of all, that that last part seems immaterial Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah what what was the what was the use of of that information i'm not sure it's like explaining the the color of their hair and stuff what the fuck does that matter that they're transgender i don't know um what is happening and how many times do we have to ask that question so it's really upsetting because we are 19 weeks into 2019 and there have been 15 school shootings in the United States in which someone has been hurt or killed. Wow. So again, 19 weeks into the year and 15 of these instances. So we're looking at almost once a week. Yeah. This is happening. And something that I will give credit to in that news package was I don't think I heard the names of the shooters. I don't think I heard their names. And I used to be someone who thought that it didn't matter that the media talked about their names or... I used to think it was their responsibility to say their names. And And I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I listened to an interesting On the Media episode about this. And I think that the hosts of On the Media were in support of saying the names and reporting on the information. But I think that we don't really need it. Well, there's been too many instances where... They talk about emulating and looking up to, whether it be uh, Elliot Roger or these others, that they, they kind of idolize them. And the, the reason they idolize them is because they know their name. They, they're able to lionize them and deify them because of the fact that they've, they've built up this, this, this kind of mythology around these characters. And so I think it's fine to just say they were a student at the school. They weren't a student at the school. Yeah. Right. Something like that. What is also tragic about this is in the past two school shootings that we've had, the students have, there have been students who have rushed the the shooter. Yeah. And attacked the shooter. And that is, that's great. Um, but it's also really sad that people are going to school and feeling like when they are at school, they need to be ready to engage in physical combat in order to stay yeah. alive. The fact that that kid had a previous conversation with his parents or whomever mm-hmm. that if this ever happens in my school, I'm gonna I'm gonna act. I'm gonna do something. That shouldn't be a conversation that has to be fucking had. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty upsetting. I mean, it's it, it's hard to say anything about yeah. it. It's so horrifying. Um, but there was a child who was 
at this this school when the shooting happened, a 12-year-old. And he actually went on CNN with Brooke Baldwin with his dad standing next to him. And he, the 12-year-old, wasn't sure that he wanted to go on national TV, but then he ended up deciding that he actually did. And this interview is so heartbreaking because he's so little and he's so innocent and you can even hear it in his voice. But the things that he was saying, it was like listening to someone who has lived a lot of life at a very young age. My next guest is the father of a sixth grader who was inside the school when the shooting started. He penned a Twitter thread that begins, there was a shooting at my son's school today where in real time he writes about the visceral, gut-wrenching process of learning that there has been a shooting at his child's school. Steve Holly and his son Nate join me now from Highlands Ranch. So thank you two so much for being with me. And I can't even begin to imagine what this is like for you. And Steve, just I have to start with you because just being honest, I had reservations about you bringing you know, your 12-year-old son on a day after the shooting. And, and I just want you to tell me why you felt so strongly about him being on national TV. What, what do you want us to know about your son? I mean, I, I honestly didn't feel strongly about him being here. I really completely left it up to him. I asked him this morning, and I just approached him and said, hey, buddy, I, I you know, heard from CNN, and they uh, asked if, he, if, if I might want to be on TV uh, to talk about what happened at your school. Is that something you might want to be a part of? And he's like, oh, I'll kind of think about it. So honestly, um, he didn't really uh, decide to come up until just about, you know, literally when we pulled in the parking lot. But uh, I, I do feel it's important to not only hear from the adults from this, but also maybe more importantly, to hear from the kids. All right, so Nate, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. It was incredibly scary during it, and um, at least half the kids in my class broke into tears when it started happening. It was incredibly scary, and their teacher had us hide in the closet. Oh. Can you... I, I would have been so, so scared, and can I just say you are so brave to be standing there with me today, and I, I so... I am, I am in awe of you. Can you take me back to yesterday and tell me what happened? So I have sen I have um, some sensitive I have sensitive ears. So um, they shot out the doors, and I heard the gunshots, and I just kind of froze. And then the siren came on, and our teacher um, and somebody started cracking a joke, and um, and the teacher told them to shut up. And then she had us hide behind her desk. And when the shooter got closer, she moved us into the closet. Um, I was hiding in the corner, and they were right outside the door. Um, I had my hand on the uh, metal baseball bat, just in case, because I was going to go down fighting if I was going to go down. Then you were going to go down fighting the with a baseball bat. Hold, uh, yeah. Nate, and again, how old are you? I'm 12. And a, I'm 12. 12. Steve? Yeah. I just wanted, can I talk to your dad just for a second? I mean, yeah, this is ahead. your child. <laughs> yeah, th thank you. I, I will, I will. Steve, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry, forgive me. It's just to hear your precious child describing holding a baseball bat and hearing gunshots in the window. Mm -hmm. How do you process that? I don't, I don't think you can process that. I think... 
you know, this, this community out here in Colorado, we've been through so much recently. You know, as I mentioned in one of my the first tweet, the first tweet that I sent out was this is the third time I've had to pick up my kids from a lockdown at their school due to a school shooting or the threat of a school shooting. Um, we actually, we don't live in, in this district. We, we choiced in, but we actually, we do live in the Littleton School District, which is where the Arapahoe High School shooting was a few years ago. And a dear friend of ours lives across the street from us, and she was a teacher there. And we have another dear friend of ours who lives in the neighborhood. So it feels like this just, for whatever reason, continues to happen out here. And I, I, there's en enough is enough. We need to make a change, and we need to do something, or else we're just going to continue failing our kids. The fact that my 12-year-old has to tell you that, and everyone else that, you know, the, the situation that he, he went through. Um, I, I, I certainly couldn't have, done, couldn't have done it when I was his age. And I'm, my wife and I, we're still, we've been on the verge of tears since. So we're just still trying to process this. It's just shocking because of the collective trauma that is being endured by children in America, that they are regularly having these lockdown drills that Good. This... I'm glad you said that, that it is everyone, even the kids who haven't experienced a school shooting. They're part of that trauma, too. Right. Well, you're hearing, I mean, when I listen to this kid, it, like, reminds me of listening to a kid who's lived, like, a rough life. Yeah. Who's ready to, like, throw down at any moment because they need to be protecting themselves. They're on guard. They're vigilant. They don't trust anybody. You know what I mean? Um, saying I'm going to go down fighting. I was going to go down fighting if I was going to go down. I mean, that is not normal. Yeah. Um, and he has such a young voice. You know, he's so innocent. He's not even a teenager. He's a 12-year-old. Right. And to hear him saying, like, I'm going to die, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down fighting. If I'm going to die, I'm going to go down fighting. You know, it's just like, it, what, are, what are we living in Braveheart? Yeah, I mean, what's going on? It shouldn't be in his... In his even periphery, that that shouldn't be on his radar. What no. should be on his radar is playing video games, recess, what he's going to do with his friends, doing math, yeah, doing performing well at his STEM school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just talking about kid, his kid stuff, right? Not if if someone's coming to murder me, right? Then I need to be ready to fend off a killer. God damn. Mm -hmm. This isn't a war-torn country. Mm -hmm. But his dad ended it. I say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was talking about earlier. That Republican politicians and Democrats who don't do anything, don't put a screeching halt to fucking everything until this gets solved. They're letting this father down and hundreds of parents like him who have to endure the stress and the trauma of an incident like this at their school and the children. Something has to be done. This doesn't happen in any other country on the planet. We are the wealthiest country the, the, the earth has ever fucking known. And we can't combat this. 
our cultural sense of rugged individualism and the pioneer spirit is so strong and so much ingrained in who we are as Americans that we can't say, yeah, but our kids don't need to die. I just don't get it. I don't get that after Newtown, nothing was fucking done. After Parkland, nothing was done. Goddamn, after Las Vegas, nothing was done. I don't get it. As always, we'd we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And if you wonder why we've got a culture like we do, look no further than Donald Trump making jokes at campaign rallies. Scratch that. The President of the United States of America, the man who holds the office that Abraham Lincoln held, the man who sits in the same office that Barack Obama did, making jokes about shooting immigrants at the border and how we're not allowed to shoot them. Other countries shoot them. Someone from the crowd yells out. He's like, what should we do? What, do we, what can we do? Someone yells, shoot them. And the crowd erupts in laughter. Trump chuckles. He doesn't simmer them down. He takes part in the joke about murdering desperate people who come here, whether it be legally or illegally. They are human beings. And they're yucking it up about killing them. I mean, when you have 15,000 people marching up and you have hundreds and hundreds of people and you have two or three border security people that are brave and great. And don't forget. We don't let them, and we can't let them use weapons. We can't. Other countries do. We can't. I would never do that. But how do you stop these people? You can't. There's no... That's only in the panhandle you can get away with that statement. Only in the panhandle. These are the kind of people that I'm talking about at the top of the show. That I don't, I'm not going to break bread with these people. That you laugh? Where's the joke? Where's the joke about murdering refugees? I mean, we've already debased ourselves enough to rip children from their parents and throw them into cages, maybe never to be reunited. Many. Maybe hundreds of kids will not be reunited with their families. And now our leader, the president of our country, is making fucking jokes. 
you know what happened to me? I was listening to uh, Jimmy Kimmel and I love Jimmy Kimmel. And he was talking about the New York Times reporting about Donald Trump losing all the money um, for the tax information that they got yeah. a hold of. And one point one seven billion dollars. I couldn't even I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch it. Because people were like laughing at the jokes and I just, I didn't find it funny. And it's, and it's not that Jimmy Kimmel's not funny. He's hilarious. It's that you found it sad. Yeah. It's that these jokes about Donald Trump, it's actually like really tragic, you know, that we're in this situation. And specifically he was reading the tweets about um, Donald Trump saying that it was a common practice to add losses to the taxes when you worked in real estate and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then he also said, but this reporting is fake news. So he's like, okay, it was normal to do this, but also it's this reporting is fake news. And you know, it's just, we're at a point where it's so absurd that I don't even know how to respond to it. You know, like, I, yeah, I no, mean, I, it, I'm with you. I just I don't even know how to respond. I'm 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 bothered by it also because there are millions of people who take him at his word. Uh, that is I that perplexes me. I have no idea how that happens, how you can witness this man, know what you know about this sexual admitted sexual assaulter this man who joked about walking in to teenage girls in their dressing rooms while they're changing clothes and no one says anything because i own the pageant and these evangelicals they love him they fucking love him makes me angry i mean it makes me like a quiet fucking rage Mm mm-hmm can I talk about um, a poll that I saw the other day? Please. So um, this was from CNBC. You play the pew drop rise right as I'm saying it was from someone else. Who was it from? Um, pew, 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 pew. Well, now pew, I'm nervous pew, to pew. talk about it because I see that it's from Go Banking Rates. <laughs> no, that's a <laughs> what website. What is this? Okay. Um, CNBC is reporting on it. So Yeah. Um, 42% of Americans have less than $10,000 saved for when they retire. Wow. Less than $10,000. And the number one reason that people cited for not having more money was that they didn't earn enough money to save money. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, also followed by the fact that they are struggling to pay their bills. Okay. Gotta have money to live. Absolutely. Um, this is a... (laughs) Tremendous problem. It's a very significant problem. And you have people like Donald Trump who um, are more concerned with tax breaks for rich people than he is about supporting people who are struggling to get by. And you have presidential candidates, Democratic presidential candidates that are putting out policy after policy to help address this inequality and the problem of people struggling to stay afloat and make ends meet, and they're not getting enough attention. <coughs> this is Warren. And there's still a lot of focus on all the dumb things that Donald Trump is doing and saying. And I hope that... And we're, we're to blame for that. Yes. I hope that as time goes forward here, there, were, there, was thought to be, there will start to be <laughs> a change yeah. happening. 
And I know it's hard because we still want to be reminded of how terrible things are. I n- Listen, I never want to b- let people off the hook of knowing how fucking terrible he is. There is there is something about it that's important. Right. But we pick and choose what we talk about for sure. I, we don't talk about every fucking thing. Yeah, and I, I will say that we have been trying to hold off a bit until the first debates because we don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about somebody who drops out next week or whatever. Right. And yeah. and I think that the first debates will really give us great insight into how this field is going to shape up yeah. <laughs> and who is not going to be in it to win it. Tulsi Gabbard and, um, <laughs> you know, who's who's going to be dropping out shortly yeah, after yeah. the first debate, Julian Castro and... <laughs> You know, <laughs> what are you, Kevin Nealon over here? Once, that is awesome. Once that starts to happen, I think we'll have a better idea of who we need to focus on and who the top dogs are, uh, who's shopping the best policies, what we should be focusing on. And so I am excited for that. I can't believe it's about a month away at this point. It, no, it's fucking next month. Yeah, it has happened yeah. so fast. It has happened so fast. Can I can I do something real quick? What? Uh. <laughs> what now? Well, the other day, what it's, it's really now? it's it's a it's a little premature. I'm 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 blowing my wad a little early on this, but remember when I said that uh, there would be? I said I predicted at least five more Democratic candidates to jump into the race. Mm-hmm. There's been at least one since I said that. It's Bill De Blasio. Mm-hmm. We haven't been tracking. There's so fucking many of them that we we started this thing. We were going to start announcing and playing their announcement speech. And very quickly, I realized. <laughs> yeah, it's just. That was impossible. It's so much. Yeah, but well on our way to that five number that there will be five more. All right. It's not a good thing. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know that it's a bad thing if we get a good one in there. Yeah. I don't know. It's too much. It is a lot. It's for sure a lot. What happens in someone's brain to make them think, like, I want to be president? That the fee- that there's something missing in the field of people out there right now. Well, I just cannot tell you how disinterested I am in that. Seth Moulton? I don't know who that is. Um <laughs> But I cannot tell you how not interested I am in being president of the United States. Oh, yeah. What a horrible situation to put yourself in. You know how many times a day I get told on YouTube, we need you to run for president? One, I am not fucking near smart enough. Half of these people aren't smart enough to run for president, aren't smart enough to be president. Mm -hmm. Half of these people. A full 50% are not qualified in the brains department yeah do you see what happens when you elect someone president who is yeah, not well, smart enough to be there but <laughs> like me are you look i i can run my suck pretty great love to jabber my fucking gums but there's not a chance that i've got the the brain pen to be a president i could be i could be a president i wouldn't be a good president barack obama was a good president Bill Clinton had the intellectual fortitude to do the job. He was just a fucking sexual predator and not qualified for that. But like George W. Bush is not a smart guy. Mm-hmm. You know what? What is happening anyway? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll say what you always say. Why are we being tortured? Yeah. Why? Yeah. So I want to talk about one more thing, and then we're done. Which may 
make some people angry, but that's fine. That's uh, what we right? do here. That is is we talk about controversial things and upset people. Um, Sam Harris was interviewed on Kara Swisher's podcast. And I don't know who that is. Is I this the Vox, the I, Vox interview? Yes, the Vox interview. I don't know who she is either, but apparently she has She's a podcast. big enough deal to get Sam Harris to come on. Absolutely. and Because, um, you know, Sam Harris isn't coming on this show. No. And uh, <laughs> they talked about many things, Islam, um, gun violence, and identity politics, right? Yeah, of course. And people criticize him for this, and they say, well, Sam... You know, the reason that you uh, are critical of identity politics is because you're not seeing that you actually have an identity and you use that in your own political beliefs. Right. You're just in the largest protected class in America, white men, rich white men. Right. And the argument there is that people who white men or white people that say, I don't have an identity. Uh, everyone else is yeah. using identity politics. Um, they're seeing, they're not seeing reality, right? Yeah. So Sam Harris was interviewed about this, and this is part of the interview. Kira Swisher asks, are you as a group and your gang, whatever gang you particularly belong to, do that? It seems like you're all of different opinions. Sam says, yeah, this is another idea that everyone is playing identity politics. This comes right out of Ezra's mouth, right? Referring to Ezra Klein. Her boss. Um, Sam continues, it's a sign of my white privilege that I think I'm not playing identity politics. It's only other people who are playing identity politics. And Kara Swisher says, no, I think everybody's doing it. Sam says, yeah, but I would deny that. I mean, what's my identity? And then Kara Swisher says, <laughs> Kara Swisher says, I don't know. What is your identity? And he says, I don't have one relevant to any political conversation. Wow. He said it out loud. I don't have one relevant to any political conversation. Wow. He just happens to be a member of the most wildly overrepresented group in America, rich white men, covered. He's covered. His issues are covered. Well, it's interesting. So he's an atheist. He's rich. He's white. He's a man. There are many different things about Sam Harris. Born rich, too, by the way. He didn't He didn't earn, build his shit. You know, his mom, like, created the fucking Golden Girls, the TV show. He was born with money. There are there are categories there, categories of identity to which he belongs. Yes. Without a doubt, without a doubt. That guide his political views, that guide his views on life based on how he exists in the world and how he's treated and what his experiences have been. Right. Um, what his formative years were like. I mean, all of this stuff, right? It's based on your identity. And that's what identity is. So it's, 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 it's a it's a it's everything that you've experienced that makes up who you are. So it's just very confusing because Sam Harris has always been held up as one of these guys who's super logical and reasonable and intellectual. And this was a very stupid statement. Yeah. This was a very ignorant statement. And uh, it's pretty embarrassing. It's verging on like Dave Rubin's stupid. It's pretty embarrassing to read yeah. this. So I don't know if he has reacted to this because he has received a lot of criticism for it, rightfully so. Um, but I'd be interested to see what his reaction is if he ever eventually comes around to understanding that he, he does have characteristics that um, have him favoring certain political beliefs over others. He, he, 
Sam Harris has fucking jumped the shark a long time ago. He's a fucking dipshit. Look, he used to be someone who I would, I've uh, admired his intellect and his education and some of his views, but he has long since taken the Dave Rubin route, and uh, I still wouldn't call him alt-right, but he is certainly in that Joe Rogan territory where he feeds the fire that is the alt-right and these incel dipshits who fucking... Um, who are just there to be contrarian, who are just there to be shitlords. You know what I mean? We, we've had people on the show who, who were regular fixtures who, who went down that path. So, Yeah, we have unfortunately had people that have gone down that path. And um, I mean, we've been talking about this. What's the answer? I don't know. Um, but I think... I think Kara Swisher took some heat for having Sam Harris on her podcast. Even from other Vox people. And I would say to that, that we got this quote out of him. It's a good point. And that a lot of people have been saying this whole time, well, Sam Harris believes he doesn't have an identity. He's a white man. He believes he doesn't have an identity. And he just confirmed that. Right. He said it out of his mouth. Finally so got him to say no it. one has to say that that's what they think about him or his views. He just said it for us. Yeah. So now we know. And yeah. I think that that is useful <laughs> in some way. Um, you know, you never know when someone will hear something and that will be the last straw uh, or when someone will finally get it. You know, and this might be the quote that sways some people. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, we'd love to know what you think about these and all topics that are on your mind. 657-464-7609. We also accept voice memos from your smartphone emailed to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are going to leave you there. We would love to have you in the Patreon family. You can go to teamdollamore.com or dollamore.com slash Patreon. That'll redirect you to the Patreon page. We have all kinds of little tiers there. There's rewards. We do a monthly hangout, two monthly hangout calls where it's actual face-to-face in a group of people talking. It's not like a fucking chat room or something. It's a good time. Um, there's the newsletter. There's there's all kinds of little perks. Stickers. We're adding stickers. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> but a good, good mess, and we'd love you in there if you are in a position to do so. Also, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be very helpful. But there's always listening. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us this episode and every other one that you find time to listen. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Stop using profanity. I mean, don't use profanity. Stop. Yeah. It. Fuck you, Brittany Page. In-
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.